Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Faith here with your welcome toast. It was Samuel Butler who said, the hen is the egg's way of producing another egg. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. What a show this is going to be. Avocado Heaven is here. It exists in Brooklyn, where three guys from Italy who love food opened the world's first avocado bar. It's called Avocadoria, and so is their cookbook. It is a huge hit. There are lines down the sidewalk. We have all these recipes to talk with you about. They're on our website, too. Sure, there's avocado toast, but there's also an avocado burger, panko-crusted avocado slices, and avocado blueberry pancakes made with brown sugar, coconut milk, aged rum, glazed with fresh ginger syrup. We have three recipes from the book on our site, and that's not all. We have a new delicious boxed wine and a story about – it's a white wine for the season coming – and a story about how Stonington, Connecticut Farm. Farmer Craig Floyd gave up his farm store. He did this. I can't believe it because the products were so good. He gave it up to help feed people who are hungry. It's just going to blow your mind what he's doing. My beloved food buddies are here. Chris Prosperi, Alex Province from KJZZ in Phoenix, and senior producer Robin Doyen Aiken. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey Faith. Faith. Hey, Faith. Hello. Listen, we're going to go avocado crazy in a minute, but I want to introduce our guests on the show. We have two people who actually, in support of the Connecticut Children's Hospital, bought chairs to sit in and watch the show as it proceeds. And we just appreciate that they did that so much. It's Letha Kunkel and her daughter, Laura Kunkel of Avon, Connecticut. And they're sitting in the chairs watching all this action. And we'd love to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you, Faith. We're happy to be here. Chris, you're my avocado buddy. Mm. Alex, love we're them. all hey, – Robin, <laughs> we are nuts about avocados. Oh, keep, keep them on the counter at home and at work. There are foods in the world where, oh. of course, there are people who say, I don't want them. I'm not going near them. There's something about avocado. Creamy. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, I, I like, hate yeah. an avocado. Uh-uh. Can. No, What's the I, hate? Yeah, yeah, I would eat one every day yeah. if I had a ripe one around. I yeah. do eat one every day. <laughs> okay, oh, wow. there is a place in New York City, in Brooklyn. It's called Avocadoria. It's really pretty much become an overnight success. It is an avocado bar. It is avocado, avocado, <laughs> avocado all the time. There are Just lines avocados. down the sidewalk. <laughs> and, of course, we know that avocado is a beautiful food, and some would say a superfood. We're right. not going to mm. get into the science of that, but it really is. It's yummy. And so – If you have creativity about what to do with avocado as they do at the bar and in this cookbook called Avocadoria after their place, 
This is, you know, kind of the idea being ideas for a happier, healthier life. And since I have avocado every single day, I'm <laughs> Whoa. just a happy Need new person. recipes. Okay. <laughs> so um, three authors on this book, Alessandro Bigi, Francesco Brachetti, our guest, and Alberto Gramini. Francesco, welcome to the Food Schmooze Party. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Where are you from in Italy? I'm from a small um, town near Florence. It's called Prato. Ah, uh-huh, yes. Lucky. I'm glad you're here. How did you get the idea to do an avocado bar, avocadoria, as you call it? Where did that idea come from? So uh, it all started when I was living in Mexico. And before moving to New York in 2016, I spent almost four years in uh, Mexico City. And, of course, as you might guess, avocado is not a very Italian product. So it's not something that is uh, <laughs> it's not a big element in the Mediterranean diet. But when I moved to Mexico, avocado was a kind of uh, bread for us. It's one of the staple elements. They eat avocados for breakfast, a lunch, and dinner I every day. Know, a bread. It's something, yeah, it's something that I fell in love with uh, since uh, since day one. Because on one hand, it is such a, um, a filling food. Is a fatty fruit, so it makes you feel satiated, very fat. But on the other end, it's a very healthy food. So it has this kind of unique combination of properties that it's very hard to get with uh, with food in general. Because usually, what you like the most is what is the most unhealthy for you, yeah. and vice versa. <laughs> That's what we like to say. <laughs> so, um, mm. Francesco, kind of do you think that avocado? There are some people who are afraid that avocado, it is considered a quote-unquote healthy fat, the way nuts are. Some people are afraid that avocado will make them fat. Do you think so? Well, I've been on uh, pretty much one and a half avocado a day diet for the past uh, two years, and I lost eight pounds. So that's, uh, Living proof. I'm the proof that, that, that doesn't affect your weight because it's only good and healthy fat. So um, it's something that is, for example, uh, suitable for a person with prediabetes syndrome. And it's really the, the quality of the fat that uh, makes uh, all the process and all the nutrients uh, good for your body. So it's definitely not something that will, will make you fat. It's a food that can be eaten every day. And uh, many, many doctors and studies now show the real benefits of eating avocado so often. Ah, Francesco, we are exactly the mm. same. I, too, have <laughs> avocado every day, except same. for the part about the eight pounds. <laughs> exactly the same. Okay, so let's start to get into the recipes that we have on the website, thanks to your generosity, foodschmooze.org. And the first one is, you might ask yourself, how is it possible to make a burger and make it feel mm. substantial the way a burger does. Yeah. And Ow. yet they make at their avocadoria in Brooklyn, they make an avo burger. I'm blown away by that. What yeah. exactly is it? Well, let's go through the ingredients very quickly. So you've got the avocados that are pitted and peeled. You've got yogurt with fresh herbs. You've got arugula, smoked salmon. Mm. 
a mm. watermelon radish, which is that gorgeous radish. If you don't have those, you'll get just a regular radish. Lime, a lime citronette dressing. Now we see where this is going. Olive oil. And you think, really? Olive oil on top of the avocado oil that's naturally in it? And maybe some black sesame seeds on top for sprinkling. Tell me how it is that this works, this avo burger. So the idea behind avo burger was for us to, um, we took one of the most iconic dish of uh, New York and I think America in general, which is uh, regular bun burger. And we we kind of approached this finding a way to make that dish much healthier and to make it as tasty as a burger. So the first thing that we decided to do is can we replace the bun, which is usually like very sugary and uh, high content of the bad type of fat. We are going to use the avocado instead of the bread to make the bun. So the way we start the avocado is that we cut an avocado, we remove the skin, we remove the pit, and we use the lower half as the bottom side of the bun. Wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, how it looks when it's done. Instead of mayonnaise, we use a Greek yogurt infused with herbs to enhance the flavor, and that's our healthy version of mayonnaise. Instead of the meat, we put salmon, smoked salmon locks, uh, which is a, a substitute for that protein. And wow. New Yorkers are in love with smoked salmon. Oh, so yes. That's something that we have seen. <laughs> this they, is, this they is really so, this is so smart because... When you look at the photograph of this, you'll see it uh, at our site, foodschmooze.org. When you look at this picture and you've got the top half of the peeled avocado and the bottom half, it looks exactly like a burger. burger. And plus, they sprinkle the black sesame seeds on it. It looks like it's got the seeds on top of the And so it looks like it's got the sesame (laughs) And I think but you're eating my, it with fork and knife. Though, right? Yes, yeah. it's a yeah fork and knife yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Unless you're messy, the way I am. So <laughs> so <me>. you. Do, <laughs> I love this, and the citronette dressing is a beautiful. You'll see our recipe for that citronette dressing too. So, wow, love that. Okay, so we're talking with Francesco Bracchetti, and he is co-author with his compatriots of Avocadoria. They are each from Italy. They've opened this avocado bar, the first in the world, in Brooklyn, New York. So go there. Okay, let's do... I love texture in food. I pay attention to this because I think it makes food much more delicious. The mouth, the brain, everything, you just love it. So this was smart. When I think about avocados, I think, how do I do this? And they have done it. They're going to crust an avocado wedge with panko crumbs. So this is panko-crusted avocado wedges. We have this on our site, too. Oh, there's a dipping sauce, and there are the wedges. The dipping sauce consists of a little cornstarch. That's always present to thicken something. Some tangerine juice. I suppose if you didn't have tangerines around at the time, you could use a fresh orange. And then rice vinegar or apple cider vinegar, a little sugar, Aleppo pepper. You can get that anywhere. Sriracha. 
everywhere you can get it. And then the zest of either the tangerine or the orange, that's going to make your dipping sauce for your wedges. But remember, they're going to be crispy. Mm. I love that. Okay, Francesco. Alex is with us from Arizona. He's in avocado land. (laughs) They're probably just just all over the ground (laughs) on his property. So, Yeah, this is, again, something that we we decided to do to make a healthier version pretty much of French fries. And when you look at the final dish, it actually reminds you of this large, thick, and cut French fries. So that's the feeling that we want to give our customers when they try it. And it's a very simple dish, and you don't need a lot of ingredients to make it, and the preparation is, is very easy. You cut the avocado in half, or from each peeled half, you get three wedges. So each avocado will give you six wedges. You bread it, and you just put it in the oven. So it's a very easy preparation. It's going to give you a very crusty, crunchy uh, avocado on the outside, and Tastes creamy and soft in the inside, so I think that's something very interesting. And it's a different way to (laughs) use the product in in a creative way because usually avocado is is served cold, Mm -hmm. but this is a very good option to serve your avocado crispy and crunchy. There was a chef. He is still there. He's in uh, France. He would go out into nature and search for things that had an amazing flavor if you put them with something else. So this man would go out to the forest in the countryside in France and grab pine needles off a pine tree. And then he would come back and he'd use those pine needles in a dish to flavor something. And it makes me think of how always people have played with foods that we no longer have around and will continue to do so. So I think about Ferran Adria, the famous Mm, Spanish guy who started doing all this kind of wild chemical stuff. The reason I give that little talk is to say that there is in this cookbook an avo, which is short for avocado, an avo chocolate mousse. Now think about these two textures matching together where you have that sort of richness of the avocado itself and the ingredients that would make a chocolate mousse. But there's also in here a puffed quinoa for sprinkling on the top because clearly this trio of Italians knows that texture is everything, that there's a sense of a substantial quality that is given to people from multiple textures. So, Francesco, tell me about this. You're perfectly right. In in every dish that we do, we like to try to find the perfect balance within textures and flavors. And we think that every dish needs to have the right amount of crunchiness to be enjoyable. So to make the base, we, we decided to do either almond milk or coconut milk to keep it dairy-free. Almond milk or coconut, coconut milk. So this is dairy-free for yeah. people who need that. Okay, go ahead. Yes. It's a vegan chocolate mousse. So the avocado uh, this time is more adding value on the texture side than on the flavor because the, the predominant flavor is still the chocolate. You can definitely feel the kick of the avocado, 
but the real contribution in this dish is the texture. Mm-hmm. And it's going to make it much creamier than a regular chocolate. Mm-hmm. And there's orange zest in here. So the book is called Avocadoria. It is the same name as the avocado bar, the first in the world in Brooklyn, New York. Everything in here is an avocado recipe. These three men who did this are from Italy and are running the entire operation, have now decided to do a cookbook. And I love, I think every vegan in New York and beyond must be going to this place to get this mousse. And we have it. We're lucky we have it on the site. So if you're vegan or if you just think, sure, I'd like to cut back on the cream and stuff, have a look, foodschmooze.org. Francesco, are you doing a gelato? Let me jump in and say, because we're out of time, my dear friend. So, yes, he's got avocado ice pops in here, of course. Um, so it's avocado ria, and our guest has been Francesco Brachetti, and he and his friends have done this book, and they have the avocado bar in Brooklyn, in New York. Thank you, Francesco. Thank you. And just ahead, since Avocadoria is a single-theme restaurant, we're going to explore that a little bit. <laughs> what are the other single-theme restaurants around the country and around the world? More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. That will be important as the show goes on. You will see about that. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. You can put it on toast, put it on your salad, any way you want. You can, you can have it, you can get it on the side. Put it in your sandwich, you can mix it up any way you want to have it. Avocado, 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 yeah, and you know what's up. Middleton, you can sign up for our free podcast, meaning a copy of the show, and it arrives in your inbox every week. You just sign up once at foodschmooze.org, and there you go. Look for the Faith Middleton podcast. Okay, I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province, who is at KJZZ in Phoenix, Arizona. Mark Raymond is away this time. He'll be back next time. We have two special guests who are sitting and observing the show in process. That's Letha Conkel and her daughter, Laura Conkel of Avon, Connecticut. Thanks for being with us. Okay. Avocado Ria represents a single theme restaurant where everything is about the avocado. 
I was walking down the street in New York, everybody, and this is years ago, and I looked up and there was a restaurant. It was tiny and it said grilled cheese. That was the name. And that's all they that's they it. that's all they sold. Which is Can a, I get a menu, please? This is a fantastic <laughs> thing to sell. So I thought, wow. Then I was in the village and I saw a place, a risotteria. So it was risotto. And that's all they sold. And that's all they Very sold cool. in there. Yeah. Let's kind of cruise through some of these single theme restaurants. But Chris, because you have a restaurant, mm-hmm. how do the economics work for something like this? It can work great. And I've got one in Waterbury I've been going to for so many years. And when I tell you what it is, you'll be like, is oh it my pizza? God. No, no, no. But it's a <laughs> single – but that's what I'm trying to get at. That's a single themed restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Pizza yeah. is. No, it's Blackie's. And it's yeah. hot dogs. <laughs> but no, are you telling me no French fries? No, no, but, no, think... no, but they only sell hot dogs, right? Actually, I mean... that's in Cheshire, though. Okay, it's in Cheshire. I said the Waterbury <laughs> My hometown. Area. Yeah, Waterbury yeah. area. Yeah, yeah. But, it's right but, on the okay. line. But yeah, but that's a single theme restaurant. So, so we've you had can, them around You can forever. sell a couple of side dishes. Yeah, of course. And, that's qualified. Yes, and I'm sure you can get potato chips on the side. Okay. Well, so there's a place in New York City that I used to wander by all the time, and it's called Meatball, (laughs) and that's all they sell. Every kind of meatballs. Chicken, fish, salmon, duck. I'd be into that. (laughs) One time I was in Nice in France. I was walking along the boardwalk, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I came upon a restaurant, and I thought, okay, someone revive me because I have to faint dead away, and it was – Truffles, and that's all Ooh, they sold. Everything was truffles. Every oh. single dish. Truffles. Wow. I, now, I, does that qualify, though? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, it was about a million dollars. Yeah, for I'll every give day. it a qualification, <laughs> so I did go in okay. and order something. What I could afford at the time was, you know. <laughs> the French uh, So I did sort of a, a truffle thing. And the, the French people sitting next to us looked over at us. And we were staring at their plates, and so they handed us spoons and Aww. said, here, <laughs> try this, try this. I mean, okay, we were, let me pull up a chair. We <laughs> so anyway, there you go. There's a, an entire truffle restaurant, my version of heaven. Go ahead. I have one from the 70s, if some people are out there that can remember this one. And it was the first restaurant my older brother worked in when he was like 16. And it was in the city. It was called Le Crepe. And all oh, they did sure. was crepes, yeah. right? Does anyone remember that? That was I don't. Oh my gosh, Look, we loved it, and they had dessert ones and savory, savory ones. Nutella. And, yeah, of course. Was Nutella invented back then? Uh huh. In New York, there is a place called Smack S M A G, and all they do is macaroni and cheese. Uh, Und- oh, gotcha. my favorite. Missed that one. Undisputed king of yeah. mac and cheese. Yeah. What about in Spain? They just do pulpo, like octopus. Like they grill it and they have the huge copper pots. Mm -hmm. And they're famous. It's served on a wooden board. It's sliced. They add a little um, olive oil and paprika and salt, and you just eat it with a toothpick. But that's all they do. Special. And it's the best pulpo you'll ever have. Wow. So in New York, there's another place called Rice to Riches. Yeah, I like that one. I've heard of that one. What is that? It's a cool name. It's like pudding pudding heaven (laughs) from savory to sweet. Rice of every kind mm, yeah. of thing. Dumplings. Yes. Oh, yeah, dumplings. And, that's, and those have been around for a long time too, right? Chinese restaurants that just serve dumplings. Those oh, have yeah, been around forever. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we could easily 
find things that have been around for a long, long time. You arguably could say that in the old days when it was just donuts, Dunkin' Donuts was one of these single-themed places. Yeah. And there are still some other places. But usually they morph into, to sustain the business, a few other things. Someone took me to one in L.A. called PBJ. Yeah, that one's on the list of is famous. That, did that make the is, list? Yep, yeah, yep. yeah. And I'm not a big fan, Peanut but they're just jelly. like, you yes. have to go to this. I'm like, what is it? Oh, we're not telling you. And you walk in and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> and a big glass of milk. <laughs> so one of the advantages of these uh, groups of immigrants coming from various countries in the world is that they see that people might like or they're particularly mm-hmm. good at making a single dish and they say – I found this little spot in the shopping mall. Mm. I'm going to try this. And they open up a restaurant that serves just that thing. And so we start to see from different immigrant communities these dishes. So in Texas, there is a place in Houston called Bunbo Hue Duk Chung. So the dish is called Bunbo Hue. And for anybody who hasn't tried this, this is pig knuckles with noodles and lemongrass and fermented shrimp sauce that sounds, some people's heads <laughs> are going, no. I, yeah, I, no. I think it sounds delicious. I bet it, it tastes better than it sounds. Yeah. Like oh, I people. bet it's a knockout. I'm telling you. I bet it's a knockout. Okay, so there is a place in Dallas, Texas, different part of Texas, called Cereality. Oh, very and cool. of course, all, all they serve is cereal. Oh my gosh, that that's like kid one. heaven. Yeah, right. You can take your kids there for like breakfast, college. lunch, or dinner. Freshman year college, you're just eating all the cereal you can. So in London, we were talking about grilled cheese mm-hmm. in New York. In London, there's a place called the Melt Room, and what is that? This is grilled cheese done in a frying pan. In all these innovative ways, there is a – remember the fish and chips? Mm -hmm. Fish and chips restaurants would be in – on occasion in New York, but basically running around London and Scotland. And often Uh it would be a truck in your neighborhood at night. That's all they serve. That's wrapped in the newspaper. Yes. The malt vinegar. So could we say that food trucks basically are that? Could be. Some of them that just serve one thing. Yeah. Why not? the food truck, it's doing only French. Yeah. Then there was... Uh, There's a grilled cheese truck right here in New Haven. From my online search, I learned that this whole trend started, you know, some say started in London around like 2013 and 14, and it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and like all good things just spread out throughout the world. You mean the single theme restaurant? Yeah. That kind of started with grilled cheeses, and then it exploded into other things, meatballs, like Chris was saying, the PB&Js. But some of those PB&Js are pretty fancy. It's not just like regular peanut butter and raspberry jelly. It starts there, and then goes up from there. There's Chianti jelly and just all kinds of wonderful. It's Mm. the PB&J of your adult dreams, so not not (laughs) like for kids. I've seen places that are just French fries. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just every French fry style and flavor that you can possibly think of mm-hmm. with all kinds of things poured on top. Do you remember the, I think it was Nancy Silverton's daughter who did the porchetta sure. shop? That's it still was, open, right? It's, you could touch the left wall and yeah. the right wall. If you extended your arms, there were five stools. Yeah. 
and you would just go in there and, and eat porchetta. her porchetta and sandwich. And that's all she served. It is to and was die for. unbelievable. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of is going to like a county fair and then you walk up and down Ooh. and you oh, see some guy just doing like that. waffle yeah. french yeah. fries you or get good you know, at it when churros you make one or thing. something. Of course, we know there are fried chicken places that oh, just gosh. have fried oh, chicken. So there's Blue Ribbon Fried Chicken in the East Village. Great, great place. There is this thing called the Nugget Spot. And it's all chicken nuggets. Another nah, kid see, favorite. I do With that dipping one. various dipping sauces. Oh, yeah. And Help that's no different that. than dumplings, really. It's amazing how many of these places are really good for kids since a lot of times kids eat one thing. So like, <laughs> It's designed for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And for indecisive people like me, there's no like you – know, Yeah, I don't know have. what I'm going to have. You're having chicken nuggets. <laughs> that's what you're going to have. There's a place in Edison, New Jersey called – I think it's it's a potato place. Potatopia? I don't know how you say it. It's hard. I guess this New Jersey fanatic started uh, doing Potato. potatoes with different sauces and cooking the potatoes different ways and it's just wall-to-wall potatoes. What would be yours? Your single restaurant. And, and we already did avocado so you can't take that one again. Oh, this is – I've always wanted to do this. You, yeah. know, you know how you can't yeah. sleep at night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I'm doing. I'm thinking about what is my food truck going to be? Yeah. So, you know, there is no short answer to that question. I have about 50 ideas. I've got it and I'm not going to tell you. Oh, trademarked. <laughs> you know what mine has always mm-hmm. been going mm-hmm. back? It's the hot dog. Isn't that funny? For all I, I cook and all the food I make, I've always wanted a hot dog place. And, and, and take it way up. Like no, them? I mean take it way up. What like, does that mean? Like do, what do would foie that like? gras on hot dogs and do like every kind of hot dog. Start with the simplest plain hot dog on a do bun. Do you want to say this? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Why? That's a genius idea. I love hot That's dogs. That's genius idea. I love hot dogs. And there's mm. always the regular hot dogs you can get anyway. But no one's ever taken hot dogs to different places. Why not have a, like a salmon hot dog? I don't know. Right? I'm telling you. Would it be you, good? I think it could be. We have salmon mm-hmm. sausages. Anything you can do, a sausage you could do. Anyway, that's my dream one day. That's my retirement job. <laughs> I'm going to open a hot dog joint. You can come see me. It will yeah. be a little shack Come somewhere. see you. I'm going to be slinging cash <laughs> with you. Yeah, we're all going to be working there yeah. with you. <laughs> Working What's there? a uniform look like? Yeah. <laughs> no, Are definitely health, old. old Give 50. me health benefits. Health 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 benefit. Yeah, it'll be it'll be like the fifty style, right? We'll have the little hats. Yep. <laughs> Funniest thing. I'm well, going to do a paella one. Imagine that. See, that oh. would be great. And all you come right. in, right? The paella, you just oh. make one at a time. When it's done, you make you get Perfectly another one made. ready. It's the perfect right. It's at that perfect time to eat it, and you just that's all you serve is paella. Well, Alex, you spend. Two-thirds of your time in Arizona now because your husband is there. I would suggest that if you're going to do a paella truck, you do it there because, mm. sure, it would be genocidal here. But doing it in Arizona, people would be in line for miles, yeah. I think. That's, would I get to drive the truck too? Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And, but just don't pick a 1940s truck because they don't go very fast. <laughs> That's the problem. Hey, we want to invite you. If you have, you know of, or would like to see invented, a single theme 
restaurant or truck or whatever it is, we want to hear from you on Facebook. That's Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on Facebook. Let's just start the conversation. We're spreading that out, not just among ourselves, but we want to include you in this conversation and see what you have to say. Okay. Uh, Wine discovery, it's wine in a box, and it's Fantastic. (laughs) I can't wait. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers for an on-demand podcast delivery of the Food Schmooze Party. Go to foodschmooze.org and you know we'll be right back. I need some bread, then cheese, then bread. That's all I need. That's how I feed. Grilled cheese. I need some bread, then cheese, then bread. That's all I need. That's how I feed. Grilled cheese. Grill it up, grill it up, yeah, grill it up till it's golden brown. I need a cheesy, toasty snack, yes, going down. Soup on the side, dunk it in, make a sandwich drown. Guy Fieri every day, take you to Flavor Town. Flavor, Flavor, Flavor Town. Take you to Flavor the Food Schmooze Party offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the East End of Long Island, the Hamptons, of course. The senior producer is Robin Doyen Aiken. And to hear this show on Connecticut Public, it airs Thursdays at 3 and 9 and Saturdays at noon. Podcasts and our curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.org as you probably know by now. Here's the deal. We have a box wine to tell you about, and then Craig Floyd is going to join us. You're not going to believe what this man has done. So here's this boxed wine. Now, a lot of boxed wines are not really so fantastic. They're okay. Mm -hmm. This is a delicious one that we have found, and it is called Clos de Lumière. It is from the Rhone region of France. And we've talked about the red on the show yes. quite a lot. And we've talked about the rosé oh, on the yeah. show. This mm. is just released in our region. It is the white wine. 2018. Alex Province, you're the one who discovered this in the first place. And I really like this wine. I, I've just purchased a whole bunch of boxes because I thought, okay, here's my summer white. This averages out to be there are four bottles it's in crazy. this tiny box, which seems impossible. <laughs> you think, box. no. It's, no. it's like one of those clown cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It amazes it really, us every time. There's something going on. I know. <laughs> Honestly, it's because the air is out. The glass is mm-hmm. gone. Yeah. Four bottles really do fit in here. You can do them glass by glass and check if you want. It's three liters and it Amazing. comes out to around eight fifty nine dollars wow. a bottle, mm-hmm. and it lasts in the refrigerator because of the way it's vacuum packed. It lasts yeah. for 
six months, nine months. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And you just press the little thing on it and the liquid comes out. This has to be the future <laughs> of wine. This has to be really, the way they're going to really, serve wine from now on, right? It, it has to be it because is. the glass is getting crazy. The corks are impossible and this thing just makes so much sense. Well, if the wine inside is good, yes, right? 100%. I do like this wine. So, Alex, tell us about this Claude de Lumiere white wine. All the wines you bring on Faith are like made by families, no junk, authentic, real. So the poor wine, when it gets to be put into a bottle, it doesn't know the difference whether or not it's going into this box or not. So it's like so good for the environment. I think we're going to see a shift of more good wines going into boxes. So what like is we did this with wine, enclosures. It's a blend of Grenache, the workhorse of the south of France and Spain. It's Grenache Blanc. Bourbonlanc, which is um, that champagne that we love. It's mm-hmm. that Blancat grape. Mm. And then Viognier, which gives it that smell. Sure. So you guys getting all the aromas, yeah. like the richness and crispness. And yeah. I mean, this is just summer wine, right? This is what's in my refrigerator. I it's love it. You could keep four thing. boxes in your refrigerator. It wouldn't even take up yeah. half the space four. of four bottles of wine. And that's what makes it so environmentally friendly as well, Faith. Yeah. You can ship a container so much more economically. So the emissions are half of glass. Yeah. Wow. And then what do you do with the glass? It has to be recycled. This you just collapse, put in your recycle bin, and you're done. Recycle. Alex, remember last year I went to a birthday party, and it was Uh a significant party for somebody, and they said, you know, would you bring the wine? And Mm -hmm. I brought a row of these boxes, Mm -hmm. set them up on the table, so that the spout, the spigot, yeah. was hanging over the sure. edge of the table, put the glasses next to it, said to everyone, <laughs> yeah. oh, have at it. Yeah. And they would yeah. just come up to any of the spigots. It was the most – and they kept it's going, so what fun. is yeah. – who brought this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. You're thinking it's bad wine, but this is – it's mm-hmm. the same exact wine that's in the bottle. And you can bring it to like a pool. You can bring it camping. You can bring it on the boat. It, it's so smart. And you just wine, have to get over the fact it's in a box. And this wine does come in a bottle, so if you don't believe it, you yeah. can. We've done this. Drink it side by side. It's the exact same wine. Then twice and how much? As much. Yeah, how much is the bottle? Fifteen. So the bottle is fifteen, sixteen bucks. So the reason why it's cheaper is it's so much more economical for a winery to Love put it. it in a box than in a bottle. Bottles are expensive, like you said, Chris. They're expensive to make. They're bad for the environment. Boxes are just so much more economical. There's no way you can get a better glass of white wine for yeah. eight fifty. You can't find one. So like thirty-four, thirty-five dollars a box. You're committing four to four bottles that will last uh-huh. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, they'd they'd be in a tomb yeah. in Egypt. So You're not so, carrying the glass home either. So right. there's no weight. I love it. I you really can, do. It's good wine. You can write on the box too. Say you forgot the card. You just write on the box, happy birthday, mom. And, uh, give <laughs> that us sounds a like you've birthday. done that. <laughs> <laughs> and you, Remember, you say the words, here you go. <laughs> Speaking from well, experience. Well, you put a little bow on top. Yeah. yeah. There you go. You know, tie a bow. You yeah. don't even have to wrap it. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. Online, we tell you who the distributor is. It will make it so much faster for you if you just call ahead to your store. They can't stock everything. Call ahead to your store and say, would you order this for me? And they will go to the distributor that we say on the website. So it's foodschmooze.org. And the distributor, by the way, is Winebow. Love it, Alex. Thank you so much for that. Uh Glad you like it. Okay, so I wanted to let you know we have Craig Floyd coming up with an amazing story. But I wanted to let you know first that there is a restaurant 
on the North Fork of Long Island, Ooh. and it is called – there's a restaurant in New York City, first of all, and that's the owner who's decided to take advantage of a space. So he owns Peasant and is the chef at Peasant in New York City. Oh, very cool name. This is Puglia-style cooking. So he goes to – out to the North Fork of Long Island, and he sees in Greenport – a restaurant, and I don't blame him because I wanted to live in this space. This old wharf straight into the water wow. with this red sort of barn-like building on the oh. on the land side. And then the wharf, you know, dock goes right straight off of that for boats and stuff. And he looks, takes one look at it and thinks, I'm going to open a restaurant here. And he opened last year. Fantastic. And I was there a thousand times. I just wrote to him and said, I'm going to jump off the building if you don't open this again. So he is, in fact, his season opens again on May 24th, Barba Bianca, which stands for white beard in Italian. This is uh, Chef De Carlo. It is so beautiful. He has these black and white striped cushions and tablecloths out straight in the line out the dock. It is the, one of the most romantic settings you is could. Is the building still red? Be, yeah, the building is still Beautiful. red. The bar oh, is the coolest. Nice. The waiters are all these young Italian guys. The food is really good. It's that real Italian stuff. It used Whoa. to be a kind of ship's chandlery, and you just have got to go. And boats are welcome. So you can so tie right up at the dock? Yeah. Time to bring the boat back. Barba, B-A-R-B-A, Bianca, as in white. White beard, Barba Bianca. Like a sailor, right? Well, depending. <laughs> One half the sailors. <laughs> With a, a pipe okay. out the corner of the mouth. <laughs> yes, the women are all nodding. Thank you. All right. Now I've got to know because you started talking about Floyd's farm and what he's doing at the farm stand. I got to know. What is he doing? Yes. This is Craig Floyd. He's had a farm in his yeah. family for generations. We've all got pork in there. North Stonington, pork, chickens, yeah. all that stuff. Well, he was doing yeah. that. But now Craig Floyd has decided to change his life. He's changed yeah. a lot of other lives in the process. Craig Floyd, welcome back to the Food Schmooze Party. Hello. Hey, how are you, buddy? Hunky dory. <laughs> Great to hear from you. So would you please tell people how you gave up the product selling business that you were in before and what you have chosen instead? Sure. We owned uh, Footsteps Farm, which was Connecticut's first certified humane farm. And then I got hired by the Nature Center after I retired from the Postal Service. Maggie Jones hired me to, to cut brush. And then... Um, it evolved into a uh, garden because we wanted to keep the uh, farm, the Coogan farm, so we developed a garden. You know, I'm 73, and I believe in putting 100% into what I do, so it was more important for me to feed children than it was to put money in my pocketbook. And, um, you know, in fact, the last time I was on your show, on the way home, um, I got a call from Martha Stewart, hence went, went up to her place and, and, and had a good time there. But now what I'm doing is, is by far more important. You know, there's 23,000 food insecure people in New England County, 40 million in this country, 13 million are children. The food you're eating is absolutely junk food, and we have an opportunity to change that. 
We also have an opportunity to uh, reduce global warming, save the planet one carrot at a time, and teach people you don't need to have a green thumb in order to be able to uh, grow great food. What are you doing at the farm to make this happen? We are a regenerative no-till, no-spray farm, which means that we actually work with Mother Nature. I learned a long time ago that if Mama's happy, everybody's happy, and that is um, particularly true when it's Mother Nature. So we build soil the way that she wants us to build it, which means we do it in layers, and uh, we don't use any chemicals whatsoever in there, and we focus on the microbiology in the soil, which gives us a healthy plant, and then turn around, and the healthy plant then becomes compost, which equates to healthy soil. So the BRICS quality, the nutritional value of our food is back to pre-1940 levels Mm. because right now, you know, I could hire Tyler Anderson to come in and and do a great meal for me and, and fantastic, but even though it tastes good, doesn't necessarily mean it's good for you. So your food has lost 50% of its nutritional quality since 1940, and it loses up to another 30% within three days of coming out of the field. We are feeding our children food that is potentially 80% deficient, and I would suggest that God did not intend our bodies to work that way. Mm. So we are here to make a huge difference. What happens to the food you're growing? How much of it are you growing, and who gets it? 100% of what I grow is donated at no charge to the Gemma Moran Food Bank in New London. And in the last five years, we've donated 20 tons of food, which equates to about 93,000 meals, which is nowhere near enough, but we're growing in, in the production. Our food actually is picked up on Tuesdays. It goes to a mobile food pantry, which then goes to 10 different locations throughout uh, New London County to help feed the 23,000 uh, food insecure people. There are times that I can get my produce to the customer in five hours. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Craig Floyd did a TED Talk. And I I couldn't even believe my eyes and ears. Of course, we all know Craig, and we thought of the yes. He would do this, and he has done it. And I'm a huge fan of New London as a community, and I'm so touched by this. I can't tell you. So, Craig, what is next? Do you just keep – does the farm – you have, I don't know how many acres there. Does the farm just getting – Bigger and bigger? What are you going to do? No. So the Nature Center bought the historic Coogan Farm in uh, 2013. We are actually at 162 Greenmanville Avenue in Mystic. So if you get off on uh, exit 90 on 95, like you're going to go to the seaport or downtown Mystic or visit one of our many fine restaurants down there, you must go by our farm. Uh, we have a big blue tractor in the front yard with, with, with orange wheels. This is a 45-acre farm. It was established in the 1650s. It once ran all the way from Mystic to Old Mystic. Uh, it was a huge farm. Mm. But now we've got the 45 acres left, and it's part of the Denison Pequot Seapus Nature Center. And um, But, I mean, who's working the land? Well, I have 370 volunteers. I am extremely blessed to have such good people. They gave me 4,500 hours last year. I have one lady that does 500 hours a year typically. But more importantly, the staff here at the Nature Center, you know, they're behind the scenes. Uh, People see my face, but they don't see the face of the people that are really doing all the work. They bring me the volunteers. uh, They bring me the publicity. And together, the entire organization, we're not just about saving salamanders and owls. uh, We're about saving the planet, keeping carbon in the soil, and saving the children at the same time. Craig, are you giving out recipes along with the food to help people turn the food into nutritious dinners? 
Yes, actually we are. Um, one of our volunteers, Cheryl Gennaro, she provides recipes, and we stick them in a baggie on the side of the harvest bucket. Nice. Uh, and then uh, when it goes to the mobile food pantry, those recipes get handed out. In addition to that, we run uh, our regular classes in our classroom here on how to do what it is we do. Uh, we get people from all over the world that come to visit or will contact me and, and ask, you know, how is it you do that? You know, what makes you so different from other people? You really don't need to use a tiller or a plow. We're trying to help the food insecure not only by teaching them but also providing them with, with good food but also teaching people that have a garden. As an example, sir, do you garden? Yes. Okay, so then the question is, is, is how tall do your tomato plants typically get? Well, the year we dumped uh, manure, they got huge. <laughs> we ended up with thousands of pounds, more than we could eat. You're talking six feet tall, eight feet tall? Uh, they got pretty gigantic. The potential of a tomato plant is 22 feet tall, 300 pounds, one plant. Nothing near that tall. I no, take that back. No, it's all about the soil and the microbiology in the soil and, and understanding that. And every home gardener should be using quantum. Quantum is all microbial. It comes from green earth, ag and turf out of Brantford, Connecticut. And uh, one gallon will treat an acre. The other thing you need is a good soil test. You know, typically I ask people all the time, did you take a soil test? No, I didn't take a soil test. Well, how do you know your soil's any good? So there's a lot of things that we teach people here, you know, on how to make teas and how to use seaweed as compost. And mm -hmm. you need to come see me and learn how to do this and learn how to feed your grandchildren. Here's the bottom line. In 2014, the United Nations put out a worldwide alert. There's the current rate of soil degradation. We have 60 years of soil left on the planet. We must change how we farm. And the Nature Center is teaching that we can save the planet one carrot at a time, but we've got to change how we do it. And when people are hungry, they're hungry. There are places who say, oh, we have in our supermarket leftover cinnamon buns. Those end up going sometimes to places that serve the hungry. And we're talking here about whole food, a fresh life food. commitment, fresh food, yeah food that truly feeds a person, and I'm just yeah. knocked out by what you're yeah, doing. And Craig, I, I want to say I'd like to volunteer to do some kind of yeah. event or, or do something for you. Yeah, so here, here's the offer. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. I oh, do appreciate it. Okay. We love you. Thank you. Love you too. That was Craig Floyd of Footsteps Farm in North Stonington, Connecticut. We're on Connecticut Public Radio Thursdays at 3 and 9 and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, listen for my 60-second food schmoozes and never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Don't want the party to end? Well, neither do we. Talk with us anytime online at foodschmooze.org.